Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. Pod, 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 pod. The Mass and All Access podcast is back. It's Bobby Blanco and Paul Mancano continuing our off-season evaluations position by position for your 2018 Nationals and looking ahead to 2019 as to where they can improve or who they can go get to add to the roster. Paul, we've done yes. catcher and first mm-hmm. base. We have. And we did second base and shortstop just a week ago. Yes, Now we let's did. move on to third base, the hot corner. Yep. And the outfield, which is interesting because... Third base might be the most secure position going into 2019. Maybe not too far beyond, though. But also, the outfield, obviously, is going to be the hottest topic for the Nationals in the upcoming months. Absolutely, it will. And it's going to be, we've said numerous times, the first domino to fall. Bryce Harper. What's his middle name? I want to use his full name. Do you? Yeah, it's. I think it's something cool as well. Can you look that Bryce up real is a quick? Cool name. Let's get our producer to look that up real quick. We're actually our own producers. Whoa, Bryce Aaron, Aaron with one A. Exactly. Max Harper. I knew it was something dope. So it's uh, Bryce Aaron Max Harper is going to be the very first domino to fall. And if he falls in Washington, D.C., then we're going to have to talk about which Nats outfielder do they try to move in order to build their team up in order to make sure that somebody like Victor Robles doesn't have to get stashed in the minors for another season. So outfield is undoubtedly going to be the number one topic of debate until Bryce Harper signs. But first and foremost, let's talk about third base. Anthony Rendon has, of course, been the man at third base for the Nationals for a while, a couple years, since coming up in 2014, I believe, when he was uh, finished in top five in MVP MVP voting. Mm -hmm. Um, Another just great year for Anthony I mean, there's no other way to put it. He just had a solid... An unbelievable year. The fact this guy hasn't been an All Star yet is baffling to me. Yeah. Um, I think he do, he's easily the most underrated third baseman in all of baseball because uh, he just consistently puts out good numbers and plays fantastic defense. The Nationals are set in 2019 for Anthony Rendon. The question is, who's the backup, and then how do they approach Anthony Rendon, who will be a free agent next year? Definitely. By the way, he definitely should have an All Star bid. Uh, an all-star appearance on his resume. This year, I understand, though, because he did miss a lot of the uh, first half of the season and didn't hit that well, frankly, by his standards, at least, in the first half of the season. And he was going up against guys like Nolan Arenado. So Rendon did not get the all-star nod, but he did play like an all-star. 308 batting average, 374 on base, 535 slugging with 24 homers which is just one fewer than 2017 even though he played a lot fewer games and 92 RBIs which is eight fewer than 2017 when he got 100 on the dot and that of course is because this year he did miss some time so another outstanding season from Anthony Rendon but yeah to back him up it's going to be tough because the, the only real backup they had this year was Wilmer Defoe and he's going to be in contention for that uh, second, second base, base spot, yeah. and he's probably going to be needed more over there. And he had Mark Reynolds playing 10 games over at third base, and he made three errors in those 10 games. Ooh. And he might not be coming back because he's on the older side, and who knows if the Nats want to bring back somebody who's a negative defensively who's on the older side to back him up. 
Uh, and Adrian Sanchez is the only other guy who got time at third base, played just seven games. And we talked about on our last podcast when talking about second base, Adrian Sanchez is a, nothing more than a third stringer uh, and third level uh infielder yeah definitely and so I mean I guess this question evolves into is Anthony Rendon your long-term third baseman he's going to be arbitration eligible for the last time this year he's making I think 12 a little over 12 million Mm dollars this year so you figure that price will jump up to closer to around 20 million dollars a year for next year yeah where does the annual average value land for Anthony Rendon and for how long I mean I've seen numbers projected between about twenty the twenty six million twenty two and twenty six million dollars a year for about eight years or so. But I've also seen people say he's not that far from Jose Altuve, who's going to be earning over around I think believe thirty three million dollars for until he until he's thirty three. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's just a question. Is obviously we're going to touch about Bryce Harper. That's a big question, but you know. If you don't get Bryce Harper, that kind of opens the door to all right, you definitely have to lock up Rendon for years to come because yeah. this guy is just an unbelievably cal- – some, some would say even more valuable than Bryce Harper in terms of he has a higher war. Yeah. Uh, he's more consistent. at He plays a, a more important defensive position. He's more consistent at the plate in terms of average and on-base percentage um, or, excuse me, like OPS. Um yeah, So it, it's going to be an interesting question. You know you have him locked down for 2019. He's proven that – he, he's battled some injuries, but he can bounce back and, for the most part, stay healthy. Um, does Anthony Rendon fill your long-term need at third base? And th- and think about it. He's been their most consistent and 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 longest-tenured third baseman since Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Zimmerman moved away from third base because Anthony Rendon came up and was playing so well. And also because Ryan Zimmerman was not that good defensively anymore. And well, that's what I'm saying. Injuries I mean, were, yeah. <laughs> Rendon outplayed him. In third, yeah. I mean, he was just a better third baseman. Yeah. So, you know, you moved the guy who the Nationals had signed to, an, uh, I think it was an eight-year extension all those years ago, yeah. to play third base. Now do you kind of give a similar contract to Anthony Rendon to be your long-term third baseman? And the question is, does Anthony Rendon want to return next year or the year after, uh, should I say? He has said publicly he does want to, but he has not negotiated or, you know, they haven't obviously come to agreement on an extension. He has talked about it and mentioned it in years past, but nothing has been agreed to. And, you know, that doesn't mean he doesn't want to be back in D.C., could just mean he just wants to get the most money possible in free agency, which makes sense. He's going to be 29, as mentioned, after next season. So a little bit on the older side for a third baseman where you need to be young and agile uh, in order to be a plus defender over on the hot corner. But what else can he ask for at this point from Anthony Rendon? He's been healthy for the most part. This is really the only season where he's struggled with injuries. And he's been flat-out productive. Uh, 2015. And 2015 as well. But yes, correct. Uh, and. Mean- uh, he he has been extremely productive. Led the Nats in war again. Has been near the top of the league in war in just <laughs> just about every season for the past three or four seasons. So uh, Rendon definitely, I think, deserves to be the third baseman in the future. But if if the Nats do end up shelling out four hundred million or however much it ends up costing to keep Bryce Harper around. They might have to make some cuts in other areas, and Rendon could be one of those guys. If Rendon is one of those guys, what – I mean, I don't think Rendon's going to command Bryce Harper-type money, like that right. $400 million. It's going to be a lot of money, yeah. I and mean, that's just the way the market's inflating. But, uh, yes, it's going to be tough to keep both of them yeah. in the future. 
I also see Anthony Rendon as a kind of a guy, you know, we've talked to him a couple of times personally. Mm-hmm. We've interviewed him for Mass and All Access and stuff like that. To me, he strikes me like a, as a guy who who likes being comfortable. He also yeah. just had his first child this past, you know, he got married and had right. his first kid all within the past calendar year. Yeah. So, you know, this guy, he seems like he's in a place where he's comfortable. He's in a good organization that he knows that they're winning. They're competitive, yeah. you know. He seems to me like a guy who is comfortable here and would like to stay where he's comfortable. And, you know, again, he doesn't like talking too much. He doesn't like the big cameras in his face. He doesn't like doing the big high-profile interviews. He likes being the kind of the quiet guy. And I think entering free agency, that's going to put a big spotlight on him, and he's not going to enjoy that part of it. (laughs) Yes, he's going to enjoy the getting the most money possible part, but I don't think he's going to enjoy all the attention he's getting. Can he kind of put... next his looming free agency aside truly and just focus on playing baseball because you know if he go, enters next year we'll see how much money he makes through arbitration but if he enters next season as you know not signed not locked up long term yet it's going to be one of those things that's going to pop up throughout the season and I don't think he's a guy who's going to really appreciate that yeah. and like that I think he's going to want to kind of take care of it now and yeah. his agent is Scott Boris who we know has a great relationship with the Nationals he could be like hey just go get it done and let's get it over with because right. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, I can totally see Anthony being being like that. Anthony actively avoids, I would say, the public. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and not not the public in terms of you know everyday people, but he he really shies away from that spotlight. Uh, really doesn't, uh, you know, he he does his due diligence in terms of talking to reporters after games and such, but really does not like the spotlight. And he's humble. He's yeah, and that's commendable, definitely. Uh, and also, he's done a lot of charity work on the low-key. It doesn't get talked about nearly as much as some other guys because he doesn't bring attention to it. But he does a lot of work with a lot of different charities around Washington. He might have this, you know, uh, an attachment to the area and the people of the area uh, and say, hey, I want to return here um, in order to continue my work here. So He's the head liaison to the uh, Nats Youth Academy. Yeah, exactly. So he definitely... And he took up that mantle knowing that he was two years away from free agency. Right. Um, and he's... I, I, I would agree with you. I think knowing Anthony Rendon as we do, he's probably not going to enjoy the spotlight of right. free agency. So it would not surprise me if he's like, hey, I'm comfortable here. This is where I like to play. Yeah. Just get it done and let's get it over with. Because it could be very much so like a Steven Strasburg how we saw in 2017. Yeah. Just like, you know what? This is where I want to be. Only team that I know, only club I know. Let's just make this my place, yeah. my home. Lock me up and, and we'll see where it goes. In terms of a backup for Anthony Rendon, we talked about the Nats' glaring need for a everyday second baseman for next season. Would you feel comfortable if they did sign somebody who can play every day at second base and can be inserted into that starting lineup, is not going to come into training camp in a battle for second base? Would you be okay with just having Adrian Sanchez, Wilmer Defoe as your backup infielders? That guys, if Anthony Rendon does miss time, that you can throw those two in there. Uh, or do you think that's kind of a risk? There? That's a risk. Yeah. You, you need to upgrade there because then Defoe is your backup shortstop, third baseman, and second baseman. Yeah, yeah. And knock on wood, God forbid something happens to whoever they pick up for second base, Trey Turner or Anthony Rendon. Right. And then also, God forbid, something else happens to one of those other, you know, what, what if you need two right. out of those three? And and suitable. I mean, we said Devo is a suitable backup. Yeah. But once he's once his, once he's taken, so to speak, you know, he's already yeah. inserted in, a, in a, one place. Where do you go for another place? Yeah. So um, has Adrian Sanchez ever backed up at second? 
believe so. Okay, so um, maybe heading into spring training, that's an okay place to be. I mean, right. obviously, you got to get that starting second baseman first. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely feel comfortable Defoe backing up yeah. Anthony at third. Right. No problem. But it's just a matter that he's gonna he could be needed elsewhere. Yeah. And, you know, if Anthony needs a day off or so, who do you then put at third? And keep in mind that you also do have Howie Kendrick, who can right? play second That's base. True. But how much we do you want? We always about Howie Kendrick. As we talked about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone forgets about Howie. But again, how much can you rely on a guy who is that old, who has dealt with that many injuries in the past two years? Yeah. You know, can you definitely count on him, too? If Anthony Rendon needs to miss 40 games, can you slot him in? And he's going to be able to play every day. So yeah. In a position where he needs to be quick and agile. Exactly. And have a strong arm. And whether he, you know, if he fully recovers from that ACL tear right. that he suffered last yeah. year. So that's going to be an area of need. And one more guy that we talked about with second base also, Carter Keboom. Potentially, I, I could see them throwing this guy. If he works at second base... Maybe they give him a run at third. Maybe they try him all over the the infield, the diamond, yeah. because they know that this is a position of need. So, uh, again, I don't think he's going to break camp with the team, but maybe we'll see some tr- moving him around in the infield in order to try to see if he can fill in as a uh, backup, at least, at third base, at shortstop and at second base. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is they they definitely don't need to – finding a second baseman, a starting second baseman is easier than finding a starting third baseman. Yep. They don't need that for 2019, and it's just a matter of is Anthony Rendon, Rendon going right. to be along, around for the long haul. Exactly. So that's third base. Let's switch over to the outfield oh because boy. we've got a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, where do we even start? I say we start with the youngest guy that they had out there, Juan Soto. Yep. Uh, let's start with him. Uh, I don't know what else you can say about this guy. He hit 292, 406, 517, 22 homers, 70 RBIs, came up in mid-May, weren't expecting him to play every day. Not only was he ready for the spotlight, ready for the everyday major league grind, he was ready to be right up near the top of the rookie of the year debate, be one of the best young, talented 19-year-olds of all time Yep, and cement a spot for next year in that outfield. I think he is the rookie of the year, in my opinion, and we mentioned this before. It's crazy to think that he wasn't supposed to be the guy. Yep. It was supposed to be Victor Robles when um, Adam Eaton got hurt yep. and come up. Um, but, of course, R- Robles got hurt in his AAA game, so they had to bring up Juan Soto, and he took the league by storm. I mean, yeah. this kid was unbelievable. We talked about how his power is... Not only obviously incredible, he's a big, strong kid, but yeah. also how he's v- plate discipline. I mean, yeah. he's just so patient at the plate. His ability to go opposite field yeah. with power. I mean, this guy did everything you could have asked for him on at the plate. And we saw gradually, slowly yeah. but surely, his defense get better. Um, he, he worked very hard throughout the whole season, taking fly balls during BP, um, trying to get comfortable in left field. And I think he played a serviceable defense. That's where, yeah. I mean, if you... If you're a voter for the Rookie of the Year, you might take um, those defensive metrics. I think Okunia played a little better defensively. Yep. But I just think the way Juan Soto came up and and you know just what he demonstrated, he a professional hitter at 19. I mean, come yeah. on, that's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He did finish the year negative five defensive runs saved and negative 4.2 ultimate zone rating. But those defensive improvements were definitely evident, not just in the stats but in some of the spectacular catches he made near the end of the year. And also, in the Rookie of the Year debate, Acuna, certainly great on the base paths. Soto, even at the end of the year, had that one game where he stole three bases in a single game. He showed the ability to run. He has all the tools to be a good defender, to be a good base runner, and, of course, we know what he can do at the plate. 
his emergence this season was, I think, the number one story with the Nats. And it's going to be a huge story this offseason as well uh, to see because, as we know, with Bryce Harper, this guy, if he had not come up this year and shown what he had shown, if he had come up and struggled or even just done okay, there would be a whole lot more concern about Bryce Harper and whether you can retain him uh, than, you know, considering what Juan Soto did, the, the fact that he was able to lock up a spot in left field. Right, and, and then, like you said, I think it it kind of, I don't say I don't want to say breathe a sigh of relief, but, you know, it's kind of like, okay, we have options here. Yeah, you know, yeah. if it's not the end of the world if we don't land Bryce Harper in free agency yeah. because we've got this assuming – Rookie of the year, D- definitely rookie of the year candidate. Year, yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's going to be him or Acuna. So, yep. um, and then also Victor Robles, who is our number one prospect. Yeah. You know, who, which Juan Soto never was. So, and then Adam, obviously Adam Eaton's under control f- for a couple more years, mm-hmm. and Michael A. Taylor still is on his first contract. So, you know, it's like yes, we've got this all-star level talent ready yep. to go. Um, in case Bryce Harper doesn't come back. So it kind of gives you some comfort, even if you don't land Bryce. And like you yeah. said, if Juan Soto comes up and looks like a normal rookie or a normal 19-year-old, and be like, yep. oh, man, this is way too much for him. Yeah. Then it's kind of like, all right, we prob- he, he's a couple years away. So is maybe Robles. We probably need to do, put forth a stronger effort for Bryce to retain him. Otherwise, our outfield could be could be a show next year so let's switch over to the next youngest guy the guy who is only two years a year and a half older than Juan Soto that'd be Victor Robles who is the number one prospect right now in the Nats system he came up in September after missing a lot of time down in the minors after suffering a tough injury on a uh, sliding for a yeah a fly ball yeah diving for a weird yeah yeah I guess sliding, but he also kind of dove forward and then slid like weirdly on his shoulder and yeah. stuff. It was ugly. It was, uh, and he came back, was very productive in the minors, and then got the call up. He hit two eighty eight, three forty eight, and five twenty five with the Nationals. Three homers, including his first major league homer. Twenty one RBIs in twenty one games. That's pretty darn good uh, production from a guy who's twenty one years old. And we saw him in limited action in twenty seventeen in September. I would say he looked a whole lot better, Bobby. He looked more comfortable at the plate, even more comfortable in the outfield. And to me, you know, this guy still deserves to be the number one prospect in the system right now because he looks like he's turning into the guy that they hoped he would be. Which is also impressive considering he came off that horrible injury. Remember watching that and people thinking, oh, he might not play the rest of the season. Yeah. And, you know, that's going to put them back even further. That that was a scary moment because yeah. he got hurt. All right, number one prospect might not play the rest of twenty uh twenty eighteen. And then you're now you're throwing a nineteen year old into the fire. If he doesn't play out, then you really need to save Bryce Harper. But Paul, remember back in spring training, this was a guy who could have made the team. I yep. mean Mike Rizzo went as far as saying, like, you know, he we we want him to play every day. Yeah. You know, he could make the team. The major league club, but he's not going to play every day here just because we have a log jam in the outfield with Harper, Rendon, and I'm sorry, Harper, Taylor, Eaton, yeah. and Taylor. So we want him to play every day to continue improving. He's going to start Triple A. We'll see him eventually. And like I said earlier, we would have seen him had he not gotten hurt. Yeah, this guy is going to be absolute stud. Um, I, like you said, we thought so this time last year that this guy had a bright future. Yep, and the fact that he almost made the team. 
got hurt, and then came back and performed at still a higher level than we have seen him play. It's pretty impressive. His defense is better. He's so fast in the outfield. He's a he's a, a, a huge threat on the on the base path with his quickness, and he's only gonna get stronger too. So that pop's gonna come yeah. eventually. So you got Juan Soto, you got Victor Robles. Let's move up the age scale and go over to Michael A. Taylor, twenty seven years old, under contract until twenty twenty one, arbitration eligible this year. Struggled a whole lot at the plate this year. Hit just 227, 287 on base, and 357 slugging. Just six homers, 28 RBIs. Looked great on the base pass. 24 steals, which was by far a career high. Played 134 games, uh, but he was wildly variant from month to month. Hit just 185 in the month of May. Had a scorching June in which he hit 349. Uh, went back down to 256 in July really was up and down this year and in a year where they really needed consistency Michael A Taylor good con- very consistent defensively very consistent on the base paths but he took a major step back at the plate this year and this was a year that we were hoping to see him take that step towards consistency yeah. you know put put together a full season of power average defensive play base stealing um and like you said we just didn't see it it yeah. was very up and down throughout the whole year and and that I mean, part of that comes to he didn't get much playing time because of Juan Soto coming up and, yeah. and playing so well. And then once Adam he did Eaton, play 134 games, but compared to you know where he could have been yeah. playing, he could have been in a, he was expected to be every, every day starter day. Yeah. for center field, and they had to push Bryce to center field because of how much he struggled at the plate. And he wanted to keep Adam Eaton in there, but don't want to strain him in center. Yeah, um, and then. Can't take out Juan Soto because he just played better. Yeah. He played better than Michael Taylor. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate for Michael Taylor, but his – I don't want to say use because it makes him sound like, you know, these people, are, they're not actual people because he is a person. But, you know, he could still prove useful to the Nationals yeah. at some point, whether that's here or being on the move. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. If – I will say um, he's going to be a whole lot more important if Bryce Harper ends up leaving. Um, because we know that Adam Eaton is still struggling with that, and it can't be relied on to play every day with his injuries. Um, and certainly Victor Robles and Juan Soto, as mentioned, are expected to be great, but Michael A is going to need to be better than he was this past year if he ends up, if Bryce Harper ends up leaving. But if Bryce Harper stays, Michael A is your best, <laughs> the best fifth outfielder in the game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if that, they keep everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and can. That's kind of crazy, thinking that he, yeah. he's going to be a fifth outfielder. And that's what I'm saying is, that like, all right, if you keep Bryce Harper, then maybe you can move Michael A right. to yeah. a team who's maybe not in a rebuild process, but a team that, you know, just needs that one extra piece in the outfield for a second baseman yeah. or a backup second base, whatever it may be, yeah. uh, because you have that log jam in the outfield. It is just unfortunate because I remember when he first came up, everyone was very excited about this kid. Yep. He showed sneaky pop. He was very quick. Everyone was like, oh, he's just going to get better. And the consistency never came. Yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate to see. But w- the one thing he's got going for him is his speed and his defense. I mean, I think any team would wa- love to have that, especially yeah. late in games when you're playing mat- mis- um, defensive uh, matching game and-, and you need replacements out there in the outfield for defensive purposes or even a pinch runner. Um and he, he is good for a handful of long balls every now and then, but yeah. like you said, just not consistent enough. Um, and he is the fifth guy on this outfielding roster for now. Yep, so let's move up to Adam Eaton, 30 years old. He's under contract just for this 2019 season. 
but he does have team options in 2020 and 2021. Hit 301, 394, 411 with five homers, 33 RBIs, and nine steals in 95 games. That 301 average might have been the quietest 301 average I think I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that was the bread and butter. (laughs) Him getting a base hit, getting on base anyway, and then moving. I mean, remember watching that opening series against Cincinnati Reds, and I mean, it was like, oh my God, this guy is going to score 100 runs this year because he is just always on base. He always finds a way to get on base. He does. It's just a matter of he doesn't have the power to back it up, especially as of late. Just five homers, as mentioned. Did have career highs in batting average and on-base percentage. Fielding definitely struggled this year. Um, he's another guy who has been variant year to year defensively. He was all the way at plus 20 defensive run save back in 2016, then went, uh, and the year before was way down at negative 14. So he's been up and down this year. He was negative six defensive runs saved. How much can be attributed to injury? We can't say exactly. Um, but it was, you know, Adam Eaton was certainly got it done batting average wise and was getting on base and that's good to see, but the pop, uh, has decreased, probably not what they expected. Didn't even play 100 games. And, um, you know, obviously the trade worked out getting him because Lucas Giolito has been bad. But Adam Eaton, I don't know if you can say that he has quite lived up to everything that they expected this guy would be. I think it's also because he's been hurt. Yeah. And, you know, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Mostly because of that. But, you know, the pop, he doesn't need to be the pop guy. You know, in this lineup, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, when this lineup is was at its best, you know, that's Bryce Harper hitting home runs. That's Ryan right. Zimmerman slugging. That's Anthony Rendon hitting for almost 30 home runs this season. We even talked about how Trey Turner can become that kind of player and hit, a, hit the long ball. Mm-hmm. Hopefully whoever they find a catcher um, can hit, you know, a bunch of home runs. So he doesn't need to be at the top of the, at the, top of the lineup, that guy who hits a bunch of home runs. Right. He's better serving being on base and scoring, and scoring you know, on – from first to third or you right. know, from second on a base hit or just being on pace when someone hits the, that home run. Yeah. So, yeah, I, the pop to me isn't, isn't a worry. It is the defense and the health. It's, yeah. you know, how much of a step did he lose due to that horrific injury from two seasons ago now? Um, and, can, and you know, that's, that's one of those things. And, you know, he even mentioned this, I think, early in spring training, like, it's just always going to be in the back of your mind, no matter what yeah. you do. So how how has that affected his career? Can he still be – will he ever get that step back? And yeah. like you said, he's getting older. So it, it, that's what concerns me is that the health, and then does he ever get that step back? Uh, all right, so that is the four outfielders that we can mention before we get to the last and most important. Yep, the big kahuna. That would be Bryce Aaron Max Harper, 26 years old free agent this past year the numbers he hit 249 393 on base extremely high 496 34 homers 100 rbis which was a career high had 13 steals so he showed a little bit more speed on the base paths than he did in years prior third highest ops of his career despite that low average uh, because he had a league best 130 walks bryce harper is a free agent we know he's right up there with manny machado was one of the best free agents on the market. How much he's going to get, we don't exactly know, but he is the first domino to fall before we can determine what the Nats do with any of these other outfielders. We won't know until well after the World Series, but for the meantime, yes, it is good that the Nats have some depth in the outfield, but to me, 
if you can bring Bryce Harper back and you can afford it, you do it. I, I totally agree. <laughs> I think this guy is more than just a great baseball player. He is the face of your franchise. He's the face of baseball in this city. Yep. Um, and, you know, he, he brings in so much more than just home runs. I mean, this guy is could be the guy that wins your World Series. We we talked about it in our other episode about the Orioles, that Manny Machado could be the guy that leads the Dodgers to a World Series title. Bryce Harper can be that guy for the Nationals or whichever team he lands on. He's just that kind of elite talent. Yeah. And we've said before, or I said before, you at least don't, you definitely don't let him walk. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, you have conversation with this is a you know a, a former first round number one overall pick. Yeah. Um, you don't just say now nah, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't. You just and can't. they won't. And um, no, they definitely won't. So Mike Rizzo, I mentioned at the end of the season, he's definitely a part of our plans for the future. Mm-hmm. If you can make it, work it out. Um, if you can work it out, obviously that's that's I think that's the best case scenario. But like we said before, even if it doesn't, not all hope is lost. You know, baseball, the Nats will still be good and competitive. They have got the talent elsewhere. Um, it is just kind of weird and ominous that the Bryce Harbor era could be coming to a close very soon. We don't know yet, uh, and I, who knows how long this thing is going to drag out. But does also Bryce? Not take a hometown hometown discount, but like we, I mean, he did hit a home run, a career high in RBIs, and and led the league in walks. Mm-hmm. But the average was just bad right. all season. Yep. Does that play into effect at all in terms of how much money? I mean, because remember, we're yeah. talking four hundred, five hundred million dollars. Do the Nationals now say, well, hold on, you know, yeah. he hit pretty terribly this year. He has a, a history of injury. Maybe you know. If you're going to be here long term, help us out a little bit so we can also keep continuing building around you. To me, this is what Bryce Harper is. For whatever reason, from year to year, and you can attribute it to youth, I think, from year to year, his batting average hits extreme highs and extreme lows. It's an absolute roller coaster. Let's start back in 2014, 273 he hit. Jumped all the way up to 330 in 2015. You think, this guy's going to be unstoppable. He's yeah, going to miss MVP. He's going to be try to win the Silver Slugger every single year. And then dipped all the way down in 2016. 243 was his average for that season. And we might forget because last year was so good. He had 313. It has been so such high highs and such low lows. Uh, just bizarre, the fact that it's ups and downs. And... It does stink for him that he had a very down year in terms of average. He's definitely first half. I mean, we saw improvements right. in the second half, but I yeah. mean, you hitting two thirteen going into the All Star break, yeah. or at, at some point during the first, the first half of the season, yeah. that's just awful. It is. So he, you know, the uh, secondary stats were there. He had the home runs, he had the RBIs, he had the on base percentage, but that average definitely does stick out. It stinks for him that it happened the season before he hits free agency. But to me, if you sign Bryce Harper, you have to know that this is what you get. Every year it's going to be a guessing game as to whether you got a guy who hits 350 or 250. Yeah, and then with a bunch of home runs. And we've seen him hit between like 30 and 42, obviously. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're right. And um, I don't know. I If I'm going to put my money down right now, I'm going to say the Nats re-sign him. Okay. I'm, I'm, I think seeing the way he acted near the end of the season – it seems like he's obviously going to test the market. That's, right. We've known that. But it seems like 
he is like kind of like Anthony Rendon. He's not this big flashy guy. That I think everyone thinks about. Yes, he wants to go play in a major market. Right. But he also wants to be that guy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he wants. You stay here in D.C. You let the team build around you. You continue to play well. You got Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg at the top of your rotation for a couple of years. You go get a couple pieces here and there. Build into a World Series contender. You be that guy to win this team a World Series. There will be a statue outside Nats Park of Bryce Harper. Oh, absolutely. I don't think he can – you know, he's not going to be that guy with the Yankees. He's not going to be that guy with the Cubs. And if Manny Machado stays with the Dodgers, he won't be that guy with the Dodgers. To me, I mean, the, the Nationals might not be able to offer him the most money, but this is, I think, the best suited scenario for what Bryce Harper can will want in the right. team that he'll – goes to let's say because we don't obviously have any inside information and we're still weeks perhaps months away from finding out where he goes let's say he does resign with the Nats of the group that we mentioned Juan Soto Adam Eaton Michael A. Taylor Victor Robles who do you trade I know who I trade Bobby I think it's Michael A. Taylor really yeah I think he has the most upside still to and valuable because like you said Eaton has options that they they can decline yeah. in coming after ne- 2020, right? Or 2021. Mm-hmm. 2020 so, and 2020. So they have Eaton, they have options that they can decline. Juan Soto and Victor Robles are still going to be on their rookie contracts and they're under team control for years to come. Yeah. So you keep them. Um, you can put, Vic- I mean, imagine this outfield, Juan Soto in left field, Victor Robles in center, and Bryce Harper in right field from 2019 to 2026, yeah. where yeah. it's going to be. So... Um, you know, you keep. I think you'll get the most value on the market for Michael A. Taylor, who you're not going to need if Bryce Harper stays. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I okay. think you trade Adam Eaton because I think, uh, you know, the fact that those are team options, he's under team control technically. Yeah. Uh, for a few more years, the the injuries would really concern me. Uh, the lack of pop doesn't concern me, but to me. Uh, Michael A. Taylor hit six home runs. Adam Eaton hit five. I mean, Taylor definitely has, I think, shown more pop in, in yes. years past. And what Taylor brings defensively means that you're probably not going to get as much for him trade-wise as you might for somebody uh, like Adam Eaton. But he is going to be extremely valuable to your team. I think you have to keep... Michael A. Taylor, because of what he does defensively and, of course, on the base paths. But I think if we're talking about a trade, I think Michael A. Taylor is more valuable on the market because he's younger. Okay. And also, cheaper. And cheaper. So That's fair. You know, you can, like, hey, you have— And this not injury-riddled. <laughs> right. So, I mean, those are three major factors, too. Right. That's a huge sell. Like, this guy is younger, cheaper, and does have a history of injuries, and he plays a phenomenal defense. Right. He's great off the bench. You know, I mean, yes, you're not trading a starter. I get that part, right. but you know, I think, t- uh, I mean, it depends. Trading is so difficult to project project because it's a two way street. Yeah. But you know, I think you, the Nationals could sell Michael A. Taylor better than Adam Eaton, especially at there are certain points in their careers. I mean, maybe, but I also look at Eaton hit 301, Taylor hit that's true 227. I think that's that is still yes, he's younger, but it's only but three then years but, okay, so but then you're trading. I mean, I guess that I mean, it's in value, but then wouldn't you want? I mean, would okay, you want they're both like they're Adam? both under con. You have both both under contract through twenty twenty one. I yeah, I think if you're looking at a fourth outfielder, I think you look at defense because 
If Juan Soto doesn't improve defensively, maybe you look at it as somebody who can come into a late-game situation and be a defensive replacement. Okay. And uh, you look at you look less at offensive production, and I think you look at somebody who, in a pinch, I'm not looking for somebody who can get on base, necessarily hit a base hit in a, a pinch hit situation. I'm partially looking for somebody who can hit a home run uh, in some situations. So I think there's that. Yeah. Um, and they're about even. Uh, and I think considering Eaton's injuries, I would give Taylor the edge this year on the base paths. Yeah. So I think he's more valuable as a defensive replacement, as a pinch runner, and as a pinch hitter than Adam Eaton would be. Uh, and he's cheaper. Yeah. As a fourth outfield. That's so you would want to keep him because he's I would cheaper. rather keep Michael A. Taylor. Yeah. I think he's worth more to your team if Bryce Harper returns than he is in a trade. I think, but obviously every trade has ripple effects. So you get rid of Eaton, who's going to be leading off then? I mean, because he's been the best leadoff hitter that I've had since Denard Span's best years. That's uh, that's up for Davey Martinez to figure out. Right, and we've also talked about how Davey (laughs) Martinez hasn't stuck with a lineup yet, but the one consistent thing was that Adam Eaton in the leadoff spot. Right. Well, maybe maybe Victor Robles can be that leadoff hitter. I'm less concerned about that. I'm more concerned about late-game situations. You need a defensive guy. You need a guy who can um, be a threat on the base pass. Yeah. So I look at Taylor. Well, yeah, more I mean, than Eaton. it's an interesting conversation. It is something to keep an eye on, and then also to revisit if and when Bryce Harper resigns. Exactly. Um, but it also keep in mind, like I said, two way street. Teams have different needs. You know, one team might need a defensive replacement right. like a Michael A. Taylor, but another team might need a leadoff hitter like an Adam Meaton. So M- the- one team might be, you know, one piece think they're one piece away from a championship and say, let's go get a veteran like Adam Eaton yeah. to put us over the top. Right. Um, Whereas, you know, maybe a younger rebuilding team says, let's take a chance on Michael A. Taylor yeah, and see if he can develop. Right. So, yeah, it's going to depend on what team. But, look, I will say, if my, Bryce Harper does return to the Nats, they have an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, that's true. You really can't go wrong, I don't think. Yeah. If he comes back trading either of these guys, you still have three stud outfielders and one great backup. I think we agree. Bryce Harper, even, if, even with Bryce Harper coming back, mm-hmm. Juan Soto and Victor Robles are still untouchable. They, I, ha- I they, ha- they have to stay. I would agree. Because uh, that's your outfield for six, seven years. Yeah. I, I, I don't think – yeah, if Bryce Harper comes back, undoubtedly you don't touch Juan Soto, undoubtedly. And to me, Victor Robles, obviously not quite the same player Soto is right now, but I would put him in the same category in terms of untouchable. I think this guy just is is just barely scraping the surface of what he can do. Right, and and we're seeing why Mike Rizzo said they were untouchable last offseason. Exactly. So if – the Mar- Marlins come calling for uh, saying, "Hey, we got JT Real Muto." Sorry, enjoy yep. uh, the Ro- uh, the, Mesa- the Mesa Brothers. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. All right, so that's gonna wrap up our third base and outfield talk. I think next week we're gonna vis- we're gonna bring up the pitching, kind of drag this on because there's a <laughs> lot to talk about. So well, next- this was a longer episode than I was expecting. Right. We really got into it. Yeah. Um, which is good. Good yeah. conversation. I mean, there's a lot of good questions surrounding this team as they try to get back to the playoffs in 2019. I think next week we're tackling starting pitching. Yep. Um, so obviously I'll talk about Max and Steven Strasburg, what the expectations are in their 2019 seasons, where do the Nationals go find a fifth starter. Again, they needed a fifth starter going into this offseason. Um, and then the week after that, hopefully, we'll be talk- tackling the um, road, uh, bullpen, uh, the bullpen and, and the relievers. Um 
Of course, that could all change. Any breaking news happens between now and then, you'll hear us right here on the Mass on All Access podcast. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter, at Paul Mancano for Paul, at Bobby underscore Blanco for myself. Mass on All Access podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Let us know what you think and spread the word. And follow us all off-season long. Thanks for listening to the Mass on All Access podcast. 